Welcome back to Tipsy Theology. <laughs> this is the podcast where we talk about crazy stuff. Life's tough, complicated, and so is cocktails. <laughs> this is episode number 43. I couldn't find anything funny or interesting about the number 43. I mean, it exists. I just couldn't remember it. <laughs> Too much to remember. And I'm not going to. And also, for you video watchers, you happen to notice that, yeah, I'm headphoneless again. I like to be unencumbered. And um, there was something that headphones were doing which just added that encumbrance. I'm <laughs> like, no, forget that. <laughs> so if the audio is bad, because I couldn't hear it the whole time, so it better be good. <laughs> well, today, I want to look at the subject of the deconstruction movement, deconstructionism. Is that I think that's I think that's what they call themselves, a deconstructionist. It's been a big thing that I've been seeing a lot lately and it's a really touchy subject for all sides of the aisle, the people that are deconstructing and the people that don't like the people that are deconstructing. <laughs> so I figured why not throw my hat back into the ring and let's let's take a look into it. But you know, I want to come at it from a different angle today. Um, and I want to look at what the movement got right. Um, but you know, we've got, we've got to add an asterisk to that too, because I've got my own opinions about everything. <laughs> That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Our own opinions. Um, uh, and I, I want to take a look at it, you know, um, we want to take an honest look at, look at these things, have an honest discussion about it. And this is from, I'm, I'm not super well-versed in everything and every part of the movement and what's happening, but I can tell you what, I, what I've seen in my thoughts on what I've seen. Well, I'm gonna have to drink for this, as always. And I wanna get into my feels a little bit, but with a twist. You know, when, I'm, when I wanna feel spicy, probably cry. That's the absinthe. That's where we're tapping into over here. But I want to make an interesting um, cocktail I've never had before. Um, and it's called Death in the Afternoon. <laughs> Perfect for day drinkers. But it's uh, evening right now. It's, it's 11 p.m. when I'm recording this. So it's more like death in the, the mid middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, so that's all right. It is what it is. So actually, interesting. Um, this is uh, this cocktail. This drink is um, called Heming Hemingway's Creation. Hemingway, the writer, the author. Um, so this cocktail, the cocktail Death in the Afternoon, was created by the famous American author Ernest Hemingway. He included the recipe in his 1935 cocktail cocktail book. I don't know why that was hard for me to read. <laughs> So Red the Nose or Breath in the Afternoon, which was a collection of drink recipes contributed by various authors of the time. Of the time, That's kind of interesting. I didn't know that. Um, I do know that he's credited with you know lots of different things. Um, he's also one of the most depressing authors I've ever read in my life. <laughs> I've only read two of his books, so you know, understand that. I read Old Man and the Sea because I think everyone's read that book. And The Sun Also Rises. And... Um, I felt sad after reading them. 
And it makes sense that his drink of choice was absinthe. <laughs> um, literary inspiration. The name of the cocktail is derived from Hemingway's nonfiction book, Death in the Afternoon. Makes sense. <laughs> Which is about the tradition of bullfighting in Spain. He loved bullfighting in Spain. The title reflects both the time of day when bullfights occur and the idea of facing danger or death in the pursuit of intense experiences. That's cool. And I think that's actually pretty appropriate to what we're talking about today. So we're definitely going to be facing this bull head on. Um, yeah, man, Hemingway loved bullfights. <laughs> Sun Also Rises, that's what it's about. It's about, well, it's not about bullfighting, but bullfighting is a pivotal um, scene inside of all of this. You know, it's like, a, yeah, he just really got into certain things. So if I remember right, this cocktail, it's about two ounces of absinthe. And the rest, I think it's supposed to be four ounces of champagne. But this is a tiny glass. <laughs> it's my little whiskey um, drinking glass. So I'm just kind of filling it up. We're feeling it. <laughs> I think it's probably going to be a little bit um, absinthe heavy. I've noticed with this one, this absinthe, as opposed to the other ones, when I put anything cold in it, it gets pretty milky, which you can see that. It's kind of, it looks like space juice. <laughs> I feel like this is something um, that like Star Wars would do. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of a cool look, but let's let's give it a try. Yeah, that would kill a man. That drink right there, in a good way. <laughs> Definitely death in the afternoon. I want to know how many this guy had. I think what's interesting about it, so it's still very um, absinthe, which is very licorice, anise star, star anise flavor, um, which I love. I love black licorice. I. I have since I was a child, and no one understood it, including myself. But I think it's one of those, either you love it or you hate it, and I love it. Um, I got a gift from my mom uh, for Christmas. Well, it was actually cool. So she for Christmas, she did the 12 Days of Christmas. So every day she had like this, she sent us a package, and every day there was like a little gift that um, was associated with one of the days. Really fun. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. It was cool kind of seeing, like, what little thing was going to happen each day. Um, but one of them, she got me some black licorice. And, dude, I tore through that stuff. It was so good. Oh, man, it was delicious. <laughs> but, yeah, so interestingly, um, so it's still very absent, but it's kind of it's kind of curved in this cocktail, and it adds that little, like, bubble from the, from the champagne here. Um, it's interesting. Deciding, honestly, I'd probably just drink the absinthe straight again. I feel like it's just, uh, how do we mix two kinds of alcohol together? <laughs> like, is that his only goal? <laughs> it's like, I want to drink champagne, but I also want to drink absinthe. Put them together. Now, it might be my mix. I might try it again here if I get through this. And uh, go a little less absinthe, a little more champagne. I'm actually drinking Prosecco, so for any of the snobs out there, I'm so sorry. Um. Yeah, we're gonna see what that's if that's if that changes. We'll see. We'll see how far we get in here. Um. But this is I feel like just the 
context of what this is, it's going to be a little emotional. And absence helps me get emotional. (laughs) I'm not relying on substances to feel. (laughs) And I don't recommend you do that either. I am a professional, however. (laughs) So funny fact about this, fun fact, funny, it's not funny at all. Uh, The unique glassware tradition. So there's a fun tradition associated with serving death in the afternoon. Some recipes suggest that the cocktail should be served in a champagne coupe, while others recommend using an absinthe glass. The choice of glassware can add a touch of elegance and style to the drinking experience. And for any serious drinkers, you have different glasses for different drinks, and it can can, um, shape your experience with that. Um, but you know me, I've got my mason jar, as I've said, and, uh, it's, it's all the experience I need. <laughs> and if Ball, if that's the one this is, is listening, hit me up, reach out to me, tipsy underscore theology on Instagram, or tipsy theology podcast at gmail.com. I await your response, you have 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Deconstruction. Are you ready? I'm sure not. <laughs> this is one of those where I don't know if I could prep enough for this. There's just so much to read to really understand what's happening. And so I want to add some context to this. I, I do want to go through and kind of set some bare bones of like what deconstruction is, what um, I think some of the cr- questions and criticisms that I have about it. And... Um, yeah, just kind of following that train that train of logic. Because I do think there are things that the movement has done well. Um, yeah, I do think that. <laughs> and some people are probably like, how dare you? And other people are like, yes, we got him. <laughs> Hold your horses. I'll probably make both of you mad. I'll make both sides of the aisle mad. <laughs> yeah, so my per- my perspective where I'm coming at with this is... You know, there's the trending TikTok, Instagram side, the hashtag of just deconstructing or deconstruction, um, deconstructionist, you know, all those kinds of variations. Um, and what the common theme that I see throughout it is people had what they were taught, maybe tightly held beliefs, things that they believed about the Bible, about Christianity, about the church, and they were like, hmm, that doesn't seem right, so let's look into this. And often, from my experience and what I've seen, it leads people away from Christianity to the point where they're, they no longer, they're, they're no longer a Christian. And I think that's, I think that's sad. And, um, yeah, I, I, I want, that's the perspective I'm coming at from this, is that's where I see it often lead. And, I want to, but I think during that process, I I hear people like the intent um, is let's figure out what's actually being taught here. What what is this? And I can get behind that. <laughs> but yeah, so just jumping into this a little bit. So deconstruction is a philosophical and literary analysis method um, initiated by Jacques Derrida Derrida in the 1960s. And I know some people um, differentiate from that philosophy, but that's ultimately what is credit, who's credited for this movement and this philosophical idea, and so I want to recognize that. 
Um, so, but his ideas, they became mainstream along with another guy, I don't remember his name, um, in the 70s and 80s is when it, yeah, really became in, came into prominence. So what it does is it questions fundamental con- conceptual distinctions in Western philosophy by closely examining language and logic and texts. And I think that's good. That's just, you know, let's, let's be mindful. Let's look at, let's really dive into what's being said here. Because um, language matters. I've said that before, especially when we look at scripture. It's a, it's it's language. It's a text. <laughs> There's there are words that are chosen, hopefully for a reason, um, often for a reason, and so let's let's give let's look at what those words mean. Because um, words change over time, we see that all the time. <laughs> um, in my own lifetime, in our lifetime, we can see how words have. Meanings have shifted and changed and adjusted. New words appear. Um, some words disappear. Uh, like the bee's knees. No one says that phrase anymore. And I think that's a darn shame. <laughs> rootin' tootin'. Who says rootin' tootin' anymore? <laughs> Unless you're talking about, like, Woody from Toy Story. <laughs> He's a rootin' tootin' cowboy. <laughs> I think it's good we don't say that anymore. <laughs> that's probably for the best. <laughs> Oh man. Um anyway. <laughs> Deconstruction. Yeah, language matters, words matter. So let's dive into what what that is. That's what I that's what I see here. That's the intent, which I I can appreciate. That's what I do. That's what I like to do. Try to do. Um so in popular usage, it means critically dismantling tradition and traditional thought. So in his article, The Age of Deconstruction and the Future of the Church, Curtis Vanderpool, Vanderpool, Vanderpool describes deconstruction as, is this really kicking in already? <laughs> he describes deconstruction as the practice of revisiting and rethinking long-held beliefs. Um, and that's what I think is a good thing, is there are things that, and I say this a lot, we, we things get lost inside of, um, phrases to capture that. It's it's the idea of like if if you, there's a word that means a lot to you, there's meaning beyond just that word. Um, but that word encapsulates it. It kind of summarizes and brings your head to that place. Um, yeah, there's a lot of words that are charged like that, and I think that's a good thing as long as you remember what the meaning is behind those words. That's where we get the idea of like Christianese that word. Um, or that concept where there's words that are used, there's lingo that's used only in the church, which means something in the church, but outside it's like we don't, no one knows what that means. But then on top of that, I think it, it gets lost inside the church, and that's where we have issues and problems. And so that's where I think there are long-held beliefs that need to be questioned. I think their tradition, traditional thought, I think it's good to be like, Why? Why do we think that? That goes back to the to the episode I did with my dad talking uh, about um, you know apologetics and why we believe something. You know, it's more than just what we believe; it's why we can believe it, and that's really important to look into. That's that's one of the things. It's like let's have an honest conversation about that, um, which is hard. It's hard to do sometimes, especially because some people hang on to just how it is. Um, and that's great. I, I, in, in some ways, I, I respect people for just being like, hey, 
that's what it is. Let's keep going. But I'm like, I, maybe I'm too much of a rebel or just a skeptic or whatever it is. But I'm like, I need more. <laughs> it's not enough for me. Yeah, I that's 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 me. You might be you're probably not. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably not different than that. <laughs> that you're probably in the same track. Um, so interestingly, though, with deconstruction, a lot of people when they look at this. And it, was, it happened at the time, too. They were like, you're just a nihilist. Deconstruction is just another fancy way to say nihilism. And um, to be fair to deconstructionism, that's different. It's not nihilism. So nihilism is um, the rejection of all religious or moral principles in the belief that life is meaningless. It's, it's, a, it's kind of there's a closure to nihilism that deconstructionism removes. Um, where deconstruction... Construction opens the possibility of meaning through antagonism. Um, now, where does that end up? That's another story. But the common thing that I've heard from, I would, I would venture to say every deconstructionist, everyone going through deconstruction has said is it's, there's never an end to the journey. I think with nihilism, there is an end, and the end is to believe that nothing matters. <laughs> Life is meaningless. Where deconstruction is saying, we will always be interpreting meaning. We will always be finding meaning. And the journey of deconstruction is finding that and realizing that there is always more possibilities. There's always just more. Now, I think I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit here in all of this, but I come, I come against that a little bit. And I do believe in absolute truth. I believe that there is an absolute to everything. Um... And I don't think that there... I've never heard a good argument that speaks against absolute truth. I believe that there is a final... There's a, there's a rule that says... Or a rule... There's a measuring stick we can look to. <laughs> I think that's God. I think that's scripture that says, this is the framework. This is the truth. Now, I don't think that we're always equipped to really find all of that all the time. Um, because we can only read something through our worldview, our experiences our thoughts, our whatever, how we interpret the world, our biases, those things get in, in the way of truth sometimes. Um, and that's important for us to recognize and to look into, to, to honestly step back and say, let's be honest and look at this. I think that's one of the things that deconstruction does well, and it's the idea of, let's. it's okay to challenge it. It's okay to say, Huh? <laughs> now I think how it's done or where it tends to go, that's where I think we need to, there's some framework that needs to be placed in there. We need to really look at that. And people might get mad at me for saying that because I'm adding some restriction to the idea of deconstruction, which is to say, let's challenge any restriction. <laughs> so that's where I'm at with that. And that's where I make deconstructionist mad. <laughs> but nihilism is a different, very different thing um, than deconstruction. So I, I, I mentioned earlier I'm going to make people angry. I just said that too. And with the church in particular, I'm going to pick on you guys right now. Um, when people say that they are deconstructing, the common response that I've heard, and I've done this myself, I'm not going to say I'm not culpable in this, 
But the the typical response to hear is like, what? <laughs> How? Why? Why? And they freak out. People freak out when they hear that because they immediately think, oh, it means that you're going to run away from, you're going to leave the church. You're going to fall away from the faith, um, which happens. <laughs> I think it happens probably a lot. Um and we'll get into that of my thoughts on why that happens or what happens there. But here's what I'll say to 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 this is like you know the struggle when we look at power because I think that's one of the people or deconstructions will look at the church and say oh they're they're freaking out because they're afraid they're going to lose power. Um, and to be fair, the church and the crown, the church and the crown. If we're going to look at medieval time. Even before then, it's like that's been a, a constant, the struggle between the two and who's running the show and who's doing what. <laughs> I can't remember which king it is, but even the idea where he's like, I want to divorce my wife, but I can't because the church says I can't. So how do I gain more power or change this? And there's some, been some shady dealings. There's times where the church is running the show and they're like, um, we determine, the, yeah, we have a king, but the church is the one determining everything ultimately. Um, and how you argue on that is different. But I, you know, but when I look, I think at the classic quote, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. People that are given absolute authority, absolute power, sometimes even not even that, just power, it can tend to corrupt people. And the more we give, the more it tends to corrupt so, yes, is the church afraid of losing losing power? <laughs> I think there are leaders that within the church we can pick a, pick someone in charge, pick your manager. Yeah, they're gonna have a power trip on occasion. They can tend to do that. <laughs> you should know that if you ever worked anywhere. <laughs> I mean, even. I've worked as a server before, and even just uh, customers have power trips, and they're like, oh, well, I'm the customer. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're still mistreating me. You're treating me like a subhuman. It happens. People suck. Love people. <laughs> but we do that as people. We Any power that gets into our head, it just tends to conflate us and corrupt us, and that shows in how we treat other people. Um and the more power people get, the more they tend to do those things, the more they tend to be corrupted by that power. It's quite sad. And so, to be fair, that's why we need to pray for our leadership, our church leaders. That's why we need to make sure that there is a good balance in what is happening here and that they are kept in check by the congregation. Because without that, yeah, there's going to be there's going to be some popes. <laughs> there's going to be some corruption in there. And that's not good. <laughs> that's not a good thing. And I don't want that. Now, I think it's unfair, and that's where we need to check ourselves a little bit, to assume that's everybody. That's every church leader is like that, because that's not true. Um, I don't believe that's true. And in my experience, I know that's not true. But there needs to be checks and balances. There needs to be a framework placed here. Um, that's important. That's very important. Um, 
Now, on the church side of it, going back to you guys, because I got a little sidetracked here, um, we need to be mindful and when we look at these people and um, to be a little validating here, it's okay to question things. <laughs> it's okay for people to say, that doesn't make much sense. Like, let's look into that. That's great. I love that. And um, good news, the Bible's not hurt by you saying, what? What's that about? God doesn't change because you said, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> now, what we have to do with that is encourage people to, let's look at this. Let's actually dive in and see what's happening here. Because um, there's some great questions that are posed that I've seen from people that are deconstructing. They bring up some really good arguments sometimes. And it's like, that doesn't make sense. And you're like, right, that doesn't make sense. Let's look into it. Let's figure out what's going on here. Um, and at the end, if truth is truth is truth, if truth is true, it's a lot of truth in one sentence. <laughs> then it'll prove itself. It'll show itself to be, tr be true. And um, that's something that we, we need to look at. You know, it, it's important to question our beliefs, and let's look at ourselves. We call ourselves Protestants, unless you're Roman Catholic or, you know, not on that side of Christianity or a Christian. <laughs> Protestantism is protesting. <laughs> it all started with a fellow named Martin Luther. We all know him. At least to some degree, you've probably heard his name. He's nailing stuff to doors. <laughs> that whole thing, where we're at in that level of Christianity, started with Martin Luther going, huh, what? What are we saying? What are we teaching? What have, what have we done? Let's, let's look at this again. Now, the difference, because I, 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 from what I've seen, there are a lot of deconstructionists that try to make Martin Luther a bit of like a poster child. And I think that's very unfair to him and what he's done. Again, words matter, language matters. So let's use it properly. Um, so Martin Luther, <laughs> there's a reason we call it Reformation Day. <laughs> there's a reason we call it Reformed. It's reform. It's not deconstruction. It's not revolution. It's reform. Um, what he did was... His intent was not to say, oh, let's break up from the church, the Catholic church, because they, they're, they're messed up. They're doing stuff wrong. Let's just leave. He said, no, let's change what we're doing so we can do it better. We can do it right. We can be in line with what Scripture teaches. And they gave him the boot for that, <laughs> which is why we have what we have. Um, but his, uh, his intent was to take what existed and change it for the better to improve it. And if, if our intent behind questioning the norm is to get rid of it, there's an issue. I have an issue with that because I don't think that's typically ever the right answer. I think that sometimes it is. Don't get me wrong. There are, there's a time and a place for that. Um, but I don't think many things are so far gone, so far off base. And I'm going to get myself in trouble for saying that because I don't even know if I believe that. 
I don't think, I think there are elements in the church where it's like, yes, we can get better. We can improve. We can fix that. We can fix what's happened. It's not too far gone to not be fixed. Um, and how that's done matters. But we'll, we'll jump into that. I'm going ahead of myself. Let's keep talking about Martin Luther here. <laughs> With Martin Luther, his approach was to use the Bible as a baseline for his examination. Um, and that, and this is where I kind of differ. To reemphasize what I was saying earlier, I think deconstruction did something well when it said, let's question what's normal. Um, I think that's a good thing. I think that's healthy to do. Like, why do it, it's the why? Give me, give me this is the corporate way of saying it. What's the why behind that? Why are we saying this? Why are we doing this? Give me some answers, bug. <laughs> and uh, I think that's good. But I think the problem is that I have is what's the baseline? What are we basing what we're questioning this on? Because, you know, a ruler only works an inch, <laughs> it only works when an inch is an inch. If John's ruler over here, what am I hearing outside? Someone blowing like a dog whistle out there or something. I don't know if you can hear that, but that's kind of scary. <laughs> I feel like someone's gonna bust through the door in one of those like long masks and just start swinging. <sighs> I'm ready. <laughs> anyway, back to this. Now my head's. <laughs> on a pivot right here just staring at the door like what's about to come through that door <laughs> what on earth was I talking about oh um <laughs> oh man death in the afternoon is hitting me <laughs> it's just murder at this point <laughs> oh man <sighs> baseline when I when I look at I think about it this way when we're looking at let's take mathematics for example <laughs> that would sound like such a tool <laughs> let's take mathematics for example um, there's a process when we go to questioning things um, there's a process to do things well and there's a process to do things right and you need to know when those things are applied um, and so if we have no baseline. Um, I'm abandoning that analogy for right now. <laughs> I'll come back to it, I promise. I shouldn't make promises. I don't know if I'm going to keep. <laughs> I promise my intent is to come back to that example. <laughs> There's, if we have no baseline for anything, then what are we basing it on? Because I think it's, if, if we don't recognize what the baseline is, um, because... As humans, I don't think it's possible to compare something without comparing it to something. <laughs> and when we're questioning something, we're basing an, an answer on, especially when we're looking at morality, the ethics of something. Well, what is ethical? <laughs> That's a very Jordan Peterson question, isn't it? What is ethics? I will always have one like that, won't I? <laughs> With a horrible... <laughs> horrible impersonation Jordan Peterson hop on my podcast 
I don't have to do the voice anymore. I'll just have you say the quotes. <laughs> Could you imagine that? If I got Jordan Peterson on this podcast and I only have him do his voice when I'm trying to impersonate it. <laughs> That'd be terrible. Or funny. It'd be pretty great. <laughs> I'd just have him walk in and be like, what is ethics? Um. Anyway... This is what absinthe does to me, I guess. Absinthe, I don't know if it's the Prosecco or it's the absinthe, but they're both hidden. Um, but yeah, so if we're, if we're questioning whether something is or is not ethical, we need to understand what is ethical first. What are we basing that against? And if we don't have that, if we don't recognize that, then it very often just falls onto what do we think is right? And can we trust our own thoughts? Can we trust our own thinking to determine what is right? Um, I there's a there's a game. I don't remember the name of the game, but basically the way it goes is there are three doors, and uh, someone has to guess which one has the prize behind it. The other two are duds. There's nothing back there, and the one of them has a prize. And so when you look at it, there's three, <laughs> and you only get one choice. Two-thirds of the time, your answer is going to be wrong. One-third is going to be right. So often, it's better to go against what you think the right answer is because there's a higher chance that you'll be right. <laughs> Since you have a higher chance of getting it wrong, the, cho- the choice you don't pick is, is probably right. I don't know if that makes any sense. But all I'm trying to say is we're not, a, we're not really a, a good judge oftentimes of what is right and what is wrong. We need something to measure against. Now, for me, I follow that with Scripture. I think Scripture and um, God is that moral code that we need to measure things against and measure itself against itself. Because, again, truth is truth is truth, and there's consistency there. We're looking for logical consistency. And if what the Bible teaches is what the Bible teaches, then it'll teach it throughout, and it won't contradict itself. And I don't believe it does. But that's what, when we're questioning it, we need to question it against a standard. And if we're basing just what I think is right um, or what people are telling me is right, well, now there could be an issue, possibly. We need something that we know is going to be firm. Maybe this sounds a little bit circular, and it, it, it may very well be. But it's, it goes on that foundation, and this is where Martin Luther came from. And this is why I think it's, it's, it's not fair to compare the two things because his belief on the baseline was that Scripture is infallible, that what it teaches is right and is consistent. And what Scripture was teaching, what Scripture says, and what the church was doing at the time, those were incompatible, those were inconsistent. And what he did was point those things out and said, hey, this is what we're saying and this is what the Bible says. Um. And that's where I think it is a very appropriate thing for deconstruction, especially when you're looking at the church, because there is a distinction between Scripture and the church. Now, those things should be working in conjunction, but there are times when it doesn't. And there are things that have been long-held beliefs that are, I believe, incompatible with what Scripture says. And those are the things that we need to look into. That's why we have different denominations sometimes. People interpret a little bit differently. 
but we need to look back and bring it back to this. Now, if we're questioning Scripture itself, we're questioning God himself, that's okay too, but that's, that's a different thing. And I think that those are things that we can look outside of Scripture and see that because if we believe, let me say it this way. So Scripture, there's the difference. I remember we talked about it with, um, with Trey on the last episode that he was on. Love you, Trey. <laughs> is special revelation versus general revelation. Scripture is special revelation that was given to us, and that's something that we can use. But there are things out, there are other things too. There are things outside of this that we can look to to see um, the consistency of Scripture and see it prove itself. That's, that's a little bit outside of what we're talking about today, but it's a very interesting conversation. Going back to Martin Luther, though, in one conversation, Luther stated, the Holy Scriptures require a humble reader who shows reverence and fear toward the Word of God and constantly says, teach me, teach me, teach me. The Spirit resists the proud. And that was Luther's Works, Volume 54, 379, Table Talk, 5017, if you want to look it up yourself. <laughs> uh, Luther, the, the dude is pretty intense. Um, so he read the Bible through at least twice every year. A lot of us are just working to do it once. He did it twice. Now, he might have had a lot more time on his hands. Who knows? (laughs) So he said, If you picture the Bible to be a mighty tree and every word a little branch, I've shaken every one of these branches because I wanted to know what it was and what it meant. And I think that's, that's that's where I'm coming at with this podcast that's what I that's what I want us all to do. Deconstructionist or not deconstructionist. That's a big word to say. <laughs> I want to figure out what it says and what it means. And I want us to approach it saying to be teachable, us to be teachable, say teach me what's in here. Now there is a chance I don't believe this to be so, but there is a chance we're going to find something and be like, hmm, <laughs> that can happen. That could happen. It's a possibility. Um, and I think that's where the fruit that I see in really diving in and looking into Scripture is, for me, I've never found that to be true so far. And the more I dive in, the more I, I learn and the more that I'm taught. And I want that for all of us. And um, that's why I think these conversations are are important because I don't I'm not I don't want to come at people and just be like, well, that's just how it is over simplistic. That's just that's just that's just how it's done. (laughs) Um, Because it is confusing sometimes it is complicated because life is complicated. Life is confusing. And so. It's important for us to have an honest conversation. Um, But with that, there needs to be a framework inside of that. We need to be able to hold to some things to to work against, to work with. And um, we don't want to misapply truth. And, you know, we want to understand, we need to understand the importance of words and the intent. Now, going back, I told you I I would promise to remember, and I'm remembering my mathematics <laughs> example, which I'm probably making it sound way cooler than it is. 
But this is kind of where I wanted to to apply that. And it's the idea of applying truth. So two plus two equals four. We can use the process of addition to find that answer. And that answer is always going to be right if we're applying addition to an addition problem. Now, if the problem is two times two, and we try to use the process of addition, addition, we're gonna be wrong. That's a bad example, because in that case, we're right. <laughs> ah, three plus two, <laughs> five. Three times two is six. That one works. <laughs> Um, when we're looking at something like that, we're taking a truth, addition, but we're misapplying it to something that isn't, that it doesn't, it doesn't work with. And so that's where it's like, we need that honesty when we look into and trying to remove some of these biases when we're, when we're investigating and studying these things is how does this apply how is it being used? What's the context? What's the history? What's happening? That's important. And, and at the heart of it, in the definition of deconstruction we started with, that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> is, and even, um, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's what we need to look at. What is it trying to say? What is the language? What's the context? What's the history? If we miss that, we're going to miss everything. And when we're looking at that, here's the important thing. Here's the measuring stick. When we're taking scripture and saying like, hmm, it says this, that doesn't make sense to me today in my words, in my language, in my understanding of the English language. Let's say, okay, what did the culture, what was the culture at that time? What did, how would they take these words? And what were the words that were used? Because they didn't speak English back then. <laughs> so what language did they speak? What were the nuances of that language? What was the connotation? What was the denotation of these words and how it affected them? When was this written? Who was it written to? Those are all things that are so important for us when we're going to be trying to pull these things apart, trying to look into these a little bit more, taking a deeper dive. And I think that's awesome. I think everyone should do that to, to an extent that you're capable of. Um, and that's that's why we have pastors, someone who takes that time to go that little bit further and help, help guide. Now, I think it's also important for us, again, power tends to corrupt. So let's, let's make sure we're doing our own study, our own research, so that way if we hear something, we can go, hmm, that doesn't make sense. Why did he say that? We can meet with him and say, hey, what? <laughs> Explain this to me. And he might be like, okay, I was mistaken there. I got it wrong. Or maybe you're like, no, you got it wrong there. <laughs> it's possible. We're all human beings. But it takes us being honest and vigilant in when we look into this. Um. Now, again, I don't want to discourage, I, I'm, I'm encouraging, I'm not discouraging here. I hope, I hope this is encouraging to everybody here to, yes, let's support people with these questions as the church. When someone says they're deconstructing, let's say, yes, do that. 
But let's look at how we're doing that. Let's be honest. Let's remove assumption in how we do that. Because there's an easy assumption to say like, oh, everyone sucks. <laughs> the church is just after power and money. Could be true in your case. Could not be true in your case. Don't We shouldn't assume these things. And as fellow believers, we need to encourage people to like, yes, ask your questions. Because I believe in absolute truth. And I believe truth is truth is truth. It's what I'm saying. And if that's the case, then pursue that, pursue it honestly, and you're going to find the truth. You're going to find truth. If we look into this, trying to remove those biases, those assumptions, and seek what does it actually say, I think we're going to be surprised when we do that. <laughs> yeah, the Bible's not hurt by our questions. God isn't affected by our questions. God is still God. Despite our despite our disbelief, despite our questions. Um and so when we're doing this, we need to do it together. And I think that's the other thing as the church to help people that are going through this is let's 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 all look through it. Let's be like, "You know what?" That's a great question. I don't know the answer. It's okay to say I don't know. <laughs> and many times, there's, there's plenty of times on videos I've seen from people that said, you know, like, um, you know, this is the reason I left the faith, or this is what brought me away. And some of those things are like, man, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. Um, but it's important for us to look through that together. And not pretend. Like, it would be wrong for me if that person came to me and said, blah, 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 blah. And be like, it'd be wrong for me to be like, well, here's what it means if I don't know. It's okay to be like, okay, interesting. That's a, a good point. Let me look into that. Let me get back to you on that. Because right now, I don't know. I think I think we need to encourage ourselves to, to be honest. But it's the follow-up that's also very important for us to look into. Because I don't want us to to continue to to splinter and isolate our, ourselves with our beliefs. Because especially now, it's so easy. This is such a ranty episode, isn't it? <laughs> I'm trying to be a little bit trying to. I wrote less notes, um, so I could kind of go a little bit more off off my dome. Because um, I think there's there can be some benefit in that instead of being too rigid here. But maybe it's too ranty. I don't know. Who knows? We'll find out. Let me know what you think. <laughs> this is too much. Um, it's so easy now for us to find. Um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to be an old man, but like the internet. <laughs> but it has opened up a lot of things for us in that it connects such specific things together. <laughs> there are so many specific niches where you could probably go your whole life and never meet another person like that. But now the internet's here. We have access to finding all these people that we never would have been con contacted with. And unfortunately, the downside to that is if we isolate ourselves into these very specific niches, we're going to find other people in those very specific niches and create our tribe that way. And it's harder for us to then leave that. Maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong, but... I think we need to be working together, especially as Christians, as the church. We need to be working together toward unity and not towards separation. 
Um, I think that's just, that's such a huge thing. Um, and when we do that, when we're working there, when we say, hey, that's a good question, let's look into that. Let's do it together. Let's, let's, let's encourage unity. We're doing discipleship. <laughs> that's what we're doing. We need to disciple each other, sharpening each other in what we believe, and coming to truth. Because the goal, <laughs> at least for me, and how I understand it, I want to be more Christ-like. But for me to do that, I need to understand, what was Christ like? <laughs> what is God expecting of me? What is he requiring of me? What does it mean to be an imager of God? What does it mean to bear his name well? To not take the Lord's name in vain. To not bear his name in vain. We need to know what he's, what he's saying. <laughs> and so that requires, to um, an extent, some careful study, careful Bible study. It's Bible studies what we're doing. Um, yeah, and avoiding those assumptions as best as we can, or at the very least, recognizing those assumptions and still seeking truth in light of, of recognizing our own bias. Because there are plenty of things that I come to, even for these episodes, where I want the answer to be something. And then I look into them like, it's not, it's not it. <laughs> That's not it. I was wrong. And it's not the answer I want. Um, but it, it's good that way. It's better that way because, um, there's a way that seems right to me, but often it, it's, it's not. Um, yeah. And so we need to be very, very careful in, in avoiding those things. And the other assumption that I, I, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I think it's easy to fall into, and we need to make sure we avoid, is, um, you know, I, I think it's important to question what we put in, into our bodies and how how we approach that and thinking, like, what is healthy, what is not healthy, and the importance that nutrition, the role that plays into our lives. And, you know, one of those things is caffeine plays such a big role in how in people's lives. Some people, their whole day is based around their intake of coffee <laughs> and those caffeine swings. It's a roller coaster that people take first thing in the morning. And um, what it tends to do, from my experience, and speaking for myself and the people I know, is it can tend to have some ill effects on, on ourselves as far as raising stress levels. Um, you know, even mood swings. It happens to me. Sometimes if I have caffeine and I don't eat enough, like, I get so jittery. Caffeine affects me so much. And I find that I get more anxious and more stressed. And I don't like that. <laughs> Newsflash, I hate it. <laughs> and so, um, for me, one of the things that I'm, I'm very grateful for is this this little guy right here, Magic Mind, um, this shot here, is, um, so one of, the, one of the main ingredients in it is matcha. And it, it naturally that just has less caffeine than coffee does. Um, but what the other thing it has, because you'd hear that and you'd be like, hmm, well, maybe that means it's not going to do as good. You know, I think of like uh, Celsius. I do, I do like Celsius. They taste very good. <laughs> they taste very good. But it's like 200 milligrams of, of caffeine. I think that's like, what, like two or three cups of coffee. That's crazy. Matcha has less than that. 
Um, but the other thing is there are just like things inside of it. I don't remember what they're called. They're very fancy names. <laughs> but what it does is it actually slows down the absorption of the caffeine and it's kind of like a slow release. So instead of you just getting hit with all that caffeine, you know, right away, um, which interestingly, I think caffeine takes about like 30 minutes for your body to really adjust, which I find interesting. So we were like, oh, I need my coffee in the morning. It's like, man, it takes like 30 minutes for you to actually feel that coffee. Um, but yeah, so what this does is it slows it, it slows the release down. So you're getting a more constant release of that energy as your body's absorbing it throughout the day to where you just get a constant little instead of just bam, right, right all at once. And so what that does is that if you avoid those crashes that you get from caffeine, that huge spike and that huge dip down. Um, and also, it reduces your stress because I think just your cortisol is lower, and it's sick. <laughs> and so what that does is it, it helps me just keep a constant level of energy. Um, and, 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 re and I'm not as stressed out, so... I'm able to just kind of just vibe and enjoy it. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> so I definitely recommend that because reducing stress is such an, such an important thing. Life is stressful. The day is stressful. But it doesn't have to be. And uh, the rest of the day, the rest of this episode might get a little stressful. So let's drink a little, let's drink a little magic mind. That's good. It's like, it says on here, subtly sweet, and it's so true. Man, I love that. Matcha's good. You know, there's that little bit of like aftertaste, there's like a little bit of bitterness, but it's not much. It's kind of like a little tinge, a little tinge in the aftertaste. <laughs> but going down, it's sweet and it's smooth. And I know, I know after drinking this that, um, I'm just going to have that consistent level of energy. And with reduced stress, stress. I just had a little lisp there, a little... little <laughs> <laughs> with that, it helps me think clearer. Um, and I feel like it's easier for me to be productive and creative throughout the day. Um, it's so much easier when I'm studying, when I'm looking into topics and studying for these episodes so much easier for me to do that when I'm when I got my magic mind going um and I love that and so for you guys I want that for you guys too um I mean these ingredients they're all natural all natural <laughs> so it's good I don't have to worry about what I'm what I'm what I'm putting inside of myself because I know that this isn't gonna kill me <laughs> it's gonna keep me a healthy little boy so it's good. <laughs> and I want I want that for you guys too. Um, and I want to help you get your hands on it to give it a try. And so this month only, January, January, the old January, <laughs> you get one month free. Free <laughs> when you're subscribed for three months. Now, what you gotta do? Or listen close, okay? What you gotta do is go to 
Get on that. Get on your computer. Get on your phone. Get on your phone thing. I need you to open up Chrome, Safari, Firefox, whatever you're using. I'll give you a second. Got it open? Perfect. Type in www. With me so far? Magic Mind. M A G I C M I N D dot com slash capital J capital A capital N Jan Tipsy Theology lowercase. It's gonna take you right to where you need to go to get to take advantage of this. But I'm not done yet. You ready? <laughs> Cause you better use my code. It helps you, it helps me, and I love you for it. <laughs> Theology20, all capital, T-H-E-O-L-O-G-Y, two, zero. That's an additional 20% off. That gets you like 75% off this whole, this whole bing, bang, shebang. <laughs> now, remember, the, the one month free here only lasts until the end of January, so you better hurry up because we're close to the end of January here. <laughs> Show me some love by showing them some love, which shows you some love. <laughs> That's good. There's a lot of love going on there. Share the love. Spread the love. And uh, be less stressed. Be happy. Be, be excellent to one another. <laughs> uh, appreciate Appreciates it. Ah, we're going to be focused for the rest of this episode, aren't we? <laughs> now, the thing about this, because I, I, I've, I've talked about this a little bit, and um, it's important, because I think a misconception that I hear often, or I think people might have, is that we have to believe blindly. People are like, oh, it's just blind faith. There are some things like that, Yes, where it's just like, I'm just going to trust the Lord in this. Um, I don't get it. I don't understand it, but I'm going to just, I'm going to trust him. But even then, what, like, what do we mean when we're saying blind faith? What does that actually mean? Um, it means you're doing something with nothing backing it. You're just kind of going. <laughs> but when we look at that, historical figures inside of Scripture and just the what happens? It's like we, we've never, never has it been, oh, just believe. You know, we don't have Jesus being like, hey, bro, you got to believe in me. And everyone's like, okay, well, why? He's like, you just do it. <laughs> just do it. I, I can't tell you why. Do it blindly. No, what happened was, let's, let's look back through, um, you know, through Moses, through the prophets, through um, the apostles, through Jesus, there were miracles. There was reasons. There was reasoning. You know, when we look at, I, I love when we look at um, the Apostle Paul in, in particular, because it's, it's so clear when he, he goes into these temples, he goes into the, into the streets and he talks to people, he reasons with them. He spends time reasoning with them and giving, showing miracles, giving examples, giving evidence. He never asked people to just do it. He never said, oh, just believe in him. He said, no, this is why you can believe. This is why. Here's an example. Here's a miracle. Kind of cool. <laughs> Here's a reason. Here's a logical argument. 
when we when we when people tell you to just to just believe i i'm going to say run away even if even if they're leading you toward christianity if they're leading you toward something that is quote unquote good if someone's asking you to just do it stay clear cuz that's how cults get created <laughs> Because <laughs> pretty soon they're gonna be like, "You need to give me all of your money." Okay, well, why? Just do it. <laughs> That's not good. Run, run from that. What we need to look at is, and we can do this for ourselves, is, and this is what we need to expect from our leaders, is to tell me, show me why. Now, like I said, there are some things that it's like you need to just, we, we don't know the why necessarily, but you have to trust the Lord. But that's after I have trust in the Lord. <laughs> that's after he's shown himself to me in other ways. I can say, you know what? You have a good track record <laughs> and you've shown your trustworthiness, which means in these things now, I can trust you. And I know that you will, you will, the answer, like, it will be revealed. But that's after, he's, he's never just said, oh, just believe. Just believe in me. He said, this is why you can believe in me. Um, we see that in scripture. We see that outside of scripture. Um, but it's something for us to, that we need to, we need to pursue. So, Yeah. Yeah, that's what I got there. <laughs> that's what I got for that. I was about to just say the same thing over and over again. But it's the idea of that's what that's for for me. I think we can we can use the baseline of scripture because um that is something that it's a good episode. This is more on the apologetic side, but I think it would be it would be cool looking into okay, well why can I trust scripture? I think that's a great place to start. I think one of the things that I see with um, deconstruction is it's starting from the top, kind of working its way back down through the foundation. But I think it's important to say, let's start with the foundation. Because if we're, because often, often I think when people are questioning a specific thing in scripture, well, we need to ask ourselves first, do I trust God? Do I trust in the um, authority of scripture? If I don't, then why would I look inside of Scripture to figure this out when I don't even trust it as a whole? If I don't trust God as, a, as, as my Lord, well, then let's start there. That's more important. Let's find the foundation. Let's base that. Let's get that measuring stick in there. Um, it's, building, it's building that foundation, building that, that, that measuring stick that we can look at. So we need to know where, where the basis is. Martin Luther had the baseline <laughs> when he went through that, when he, was, when he was starting his reform, is this is where I'm starting from. Scripture is the ultimate authority. I believe God. I trust God. Now let's go from there. But if we're not starting there, if we can't even say that is our baseline, well, let's figure out where the baseline's at. We need to we need to start at that at that foundation. Um, now, it's it's tough, and this is where I think there's a lot of complexity with faith because it is complex. Um, I love Job. 
you guys know I love Job. <laughs> That's an example of the complexity of the earth and what happens here, how things operate. What was happening to Job made no sense to Job. <laughs> it didn't make any sense because there is information that he didn't have. Um, and when the Lord came and spoke to him, he was like, there's a lot of things you don't get, Job, <laughs> beyond just what you're looking at here. And um, again, looking, going back to that baseline, that idea, Job never doubted who the Lord was, but he was confused at what he knew the Lord to be and what he was seeing happen. And he was like, if you are this, why is this happening? But we can really only ask those questions when we have an idea of who the Lord is and what who he says he is. But we need to understand that. I think there's the other thing, I mean, that's something that A.W. Tozer talks about in his books, is um, in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, is we need to understand who God says he is and not who we think he's like. In the one of the great ways to do that is through scripture. <laughs> That's what I mean. I encourage us. I encourage you if you're if you're asking these questions to go back through um, a lot of the episodes, beginning episodes from last year, where I I went through myself on the attributes of God. Because I I, I want to understand. And I want us to understand who is the Lord, who who is He, um, who does He say He is, and let's and let's work from there. Um, Yeah, so for me, for me personally, I'll share a personal story. Is um, there was there was a lot for me when um, growing up, hearing, you know, my dad is. You, you, if you listen to the episode, you know that he loves apologetics. <laughs> He's always been studying scripture, figuring out how to defend things and his positions and what he believes. My mom is very similar in that as well. So I, I kind of grew up with um, an understanding of how to look into the why of things and why we should look into the why of things. And it's okay to challenge and question to find an answer. Um, but on the other side of that, and we see that with the apostles, we see that with Jesus, we see that with the prophets, is that there were things that they did as well, healings, um, you know, manna from heaven, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> a lot of these things that are miracles. And those things do happen. There's some supernatural events that occur. And for me, I, I had a personal experience where um, when I was, I dealt with depression for a very, very long time and to the point of a lot of suicidal thinking. And there was a time when I was in a place where I was like, okay, I'm ready to, I'm ready to end myself. Um, and I heard audibly, which is crazy, there's nobody around me. There's, there's nobody there to say anything. And I audibly heard and, and saw, it was, it was crazy. It was like this little, like, I saw a piece of paper laying on the ground, <laughs> and it was windy, so I was like, why is this paper on the ground? And it, it blew away as I, a, after I read it, but I heard and I saw 
the voice of the Lord, and it said, and he, all he said was, "I I love you." And oh man, sorry, <laughs> I don't know if it's the absence of the story, but it's probably both. <sighs> um, <clears throat> and the reason I can say is that's the Lord is because I I just knew. Um, and that's that doesn't make any sense. You know, that was a sign that was given to me because of where I was at the time and what was happening. And hearing that began my journey that ch- changed my life forever. And um, it was a voice. And, and, and part of the reason I can say for me, it's like that I knew it wasn't anybody around me because there was no one I was outside there was nobody outside around me there was no one inside in the building I was walking toward or around and um that's not a voice that I would that's not a thing I would say to myself at the time I said very very hurtful things to myself my thoughts were nothing but but self self-harm and so to hear something like that was was shocking and I, I, I knew that in those few words that the Lord communicated to me, how much was behind that that was downloaded downloaded into my brain. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And um, that was a sign that was given to me personally that showed me that the Lord is who he says he is. And the more that I've sought him, the more he has shown himself to me. And proved himself to be faithful and just and loving and and it's amazing. <laughs> and you can hear that and be like, "Cool, well, I haven't gotten that," and that's okay. Um, and it's easy for me to say that because I, I <laughs> that's something that I experienced. Um, but everyone has their own experiences. Everyone has their own journey their own process but if we are truly seeking the lord then he will answer i believe that and but that takes honesty that takes humbleness to to look to look through that and seek honestly yeah I, i'm 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 saying these things a lot because i i i don't know how to over i don't know how to emphasize it enough of the importance and the warning I have against people that oversimplify, you know, um, people that want to give oversimplistic answers. There's a, there's a problem. Job again, his friends, what did they do? What did they do? They looked at his situation and gave them oversimplified answers. They took the, to use the, the analogy of multiplication and addition to use that example, they misapplied something, a truth from Scripture. They took something that they learned from there and were like, mm, this should work right here, and it didn't. It was wrong. They oversimplified an issue they, they knew nothing about. And they just told them, well, this is the answer, and, you know, you probably sinned, and you should fix it. <laughs> Joe was like, I didn't do anything. <laughs> and I think that that can happen, and that goes into what has happened to a lot of people, and it's sad. And um, and I think it's something, it's important for us to recognize is the idea of, in this term, 
that's used, which is church hurt. It's a big buzzword. <laughs> and what I want to say to that, because I myself was have been hurt by churches before. I've been hurt by church people, by Christians before. I think to some extent probably all of us have. Um, and it's okay to be hurt. Let me, maybe that's not a good way to say that. It's a, you shouldn't have to feel bad for, or feel, you shouldn't have to feel bad for recognizing that someone hurt you. Because I think sometimes it's, we think everyone has to just get along. We're not going to get along with everybody. <laughs> just because someone else goes to church doesn't mean they have to be your best friend. Um, now, it doesn't mean hate the person. <laughs> just means you don't have to go get coffee after after church <laughs> with them. <laughs> um, but people get people have gotten hurt, and I want to say that it's you're allowed to feel hurt. Let me say that <laughs> you're allowed to be hurt. Um, but what we do with that next, that's the important part. Um, when we look in Scripture, it's not, hey, um, you're a sinner in need of redemption. Good luck. <laughs> we're hurt and we're broken people. And through Christ, I'm on a path to healing. I'm on a path toward sanctification and when we look at how people have treated us, how we've treated ourselves, it's good to recognize those things. But then it's also it's good to say, now let's fix it. Now let's heal. Let's get better. When someone hurts you, when a church has hurt you, the right response is not to say, let's get rid of it. Let's tear it all down. Let's burn it. I don't think that's the right answer. I think what's right is to say, I think what's more constructive is to approach it and say, hey, there's a problem here. This is it. Let's fix it. I think that's a, I think that's a more loving thing to do. And someone might say, well, you're putting a lot of effort on the victim here. It's, I am. <laughs> You're right. I am doing that. Because um, <laughs> someone has to say something. If the people that are hurt just stay hurt and don't say anything, often the people that hurt the person aren't going to recognize that. That's just the reality of it. When we hurt people, we don't, always recognize it it takes the person to say like hey that offended me that hurt me let's fix this you know i i would like an apology <laughs> i would like some um i would like some change here to happen so this doesn't happen um it takes being a big person it takes being a bigger person and uh that's tough it's difficult I'm not saying it's like, oh, it's easy, just psh, psh. 
But it's important for the church to recognize. It's important for us Christians to recognize that we have hurt people. The church historically in history has has hurt people. Now what we can do is recognize that. Now I'm putting the charge. Sorry, we're not on you victims anymore. We're on the victimizers. <laughs> is that the right word? The people that have hurt people. The people that have, yes. You know what I'm trying to say now. <laughs> It's important for us as the people that are in this position, even if you're in any position of authority, um, or you're not, either one, how are we treating people? That's what we need to be looking at. I said this earlier in um, one of my favorite episodes from last year. A lot of they're all my favorite. <laughs> um, with Adam talking about... Um, the commandment of taking the Lord's name in vain. Let's bear the name of the Lord well. That's more than just how do we talk about the Lord. That's more than saying, um, you know, taking, speaking a, a word that is careless. But it's what are we? What are we doing? How are we representing the Lord? And if we're not representing Him well, then we're taking His name in vain. If we're hurting people. We're messing up. We're taking his name in vain. Now, that doesn't mean to um, compromise and letting people, allowing people to continue living in sin. There's correction that needs to happen. But there's a right way to do that. There's a loving way to do that. <laughs> um, we can't encourage people. We can't um, just allow people to not allow people, that's not what I'm trying to say. We can't encourage, we can't, we can't encourage, I'm just going to use that word. <laughs> we can't encourage people to continue living in sin. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus went to, he ate with the um, outcasts of society, with the prostitutes, with the tax collectors, <laughs> with all these people. And he loved those people, but he didn't say, keep doing what you're doing. He said, no. I love you. Stop sinning. <laughs> Stop doing this. It wouldn't be loving for us to go to an alcoholic and say, like, hey, I love you. Keep drinking. Do you, bro? Bro, keep doing you. That would be wrong. That would be wrong for us to do that to somebody in that position. The right thing would be to be like, hey, I love you, and you you need to stop this. This is not good for you. This is not healthy for you. That's that's I think that's how we need to view to view sin. Um, we need to be compassionate. We need to be merciful to people, but that stops at us encouraging and uh, encouraging people to continue in their sin. Um, but it takes relationship. It takes relationship with people for us to speak into into people's lives like that as well. And um, for those of you that have been hurt. We we need to, when those things have happened, it's like, yes, let's recognize those things and let's look at those things. You shouldn't have to feel bad for saying, hey, what you said hurt my feelings, what you said hurt me. You shouldn't have to feel r bad for that. Um, yeah, I'm repeating myself, but I, it's it's important, and that's why I keep saying it. Um, yeah, in all of it, Things are com complex. There's complexity 
And despite that, I think we need to continue to seek truth in, in all of this. I believe that there's absolute truth, and with that, there's absolute answers. Truth is truth is truth. <laughs> we may lack the necessary information to find all of those answers or to figure it all out, but I do believe that there is a meaning. You know, the, the, with deconstruction, I think there's an idea with that of there's never one particular meaning. There's always another meaning. There's, there's never just one. I don't believe that. I think that's a little postmodern. I think that there is a meaning. It doesn't mean that we're equipped to find it. But we can keep seeking. We can keep seeking and searching. And we will find the truth of who God is. And I think that's a beautiful thing. That's why I like to continue this. That's why I seek and I want to continue studying and, and diving into these things and having these conversations because how I think about something, how I approach something is different than somebody else. And it's important for us to feel comfortable to say, let's have these open conversations. If, if you're deconstructing and you're afraid to say that to people, that's not a good community. <laughs> and if, if we're the people that are making it hard for others to be open and say honest things, we need to re-examine ourselves too. We need to look into that and, and, and realize that we need to be more open and allowing people to share honestly. For myself, there, I've said a lot of things um, that were very honest to people. Um that don't sound great. <laughs> As someone who calls themselves a Christian, where it's like, hey, I struggle with this sometimes. I struggle with this idea. Um, but it's important for it to be with people that say, hey, I hear that. Let's, let's work on that. Let's look into that. Let's, let's take a look. I want us to be those people that encourage a path to healing and unity, we need to emphasize the, the uh, in, in Micah, I think it's the book of Micah, yeah, where it says, to seek, seek just, to do justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly with, with your God, with our God. I think that's important in the pursuit of understanding and living out our faith is to love, to do justice, to seek restitution for people um, and for the church. We want the church to pursue. I want to see just incredible growth and unity within the church for us to say, like, hey, we all love God and we love each other. <laughs> I want to see that. I want to see a... Con a place where people can feel like they can share honestly and be encouraged, discipleship, be encouraged to find the truth. We need to love mercy. We need to be merciful to people as well, to show kindness to people. And at the end of it, to walk in humility with God. I think that's great. <laughs> Those are my thoughts on the matter. 
um, I want this to be the beginning of this conversation because there's a lot that I that we talked about um, and kind of opened up here. And um, I want to hear from you guys. What are your thoughts on this? Are you deconstructing? What do you what do you what do you think about what I said here? <laughs> I want to hear your thoughts. Um, I don't want to I don't want to encourage or to present an idea of being hostile toward people that have genuine questions that are genuinely seeking. I, I want to encourage I want to encourage us all to do that because I'm genuinely seeking truth. I'm genuinely searching scripture to say, what does it mean? <laughs> I think we all need to do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, because the Bible's full of some crazy things. I'll be the first one to admit that. But it doesn't mean they're wrong. <laughs> it just means I don't understand them. Um, but yeah, it takes us to honestly search ourselves, search scripture, and ask God for for guidance. And um, I want to open this up and encourage us all in that. So send me a message. Um, you can you can reach out to me. You can DM me if you're on Instagram, tipsy underscore theology. Or you can email me if you're inclined, tipsytheologypodcast at gmail.com. Links will be in description. And also, consider consider supporting me on Patreon and what, what we're doing here. I, I really want to get more guests on here and i'd love to get um just bigger and bigger names as we continue to do this um to have these interesting open conversations that some people just don't have the space to do that and i want to help open up that space to to be honest to have those conversations to have these conversations um and so yeah check me out there um love you guys Thank you. Uh, Thank you for listening. And I will talk to you hopefully sooner rather than later.